You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Do we also need some encouragement that our voice matters? Or are, are, are we afraid at times of, of speaking out and the consequences of our speaking out? The way of love, remember, it calls each of us alongside of others to speak out against injustice in, in our world today. Welcome, everyone, to episode 508. My name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is The Power of Our Voices. So, uh, before we get started, before we jump into this week's topic, I just want to give a thank you to all of you out there who are supporting my my latest book. We are still uh, a number one new release on Amazon this week, and I, I, I just can't thank all of you enough what a what a great experience this has been our reading this week uh, is actually from the gospel of mark we're still in the gospel of mark but we're going to skip ahead a little bit it's mark 9 2 through 9 it reads after six days jesus took peter james and john with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So this is the earliest version of this story that we still have today. This is the one that all the other reports of this event in our sacred text are dependent on. In Matthew 17's uh, report, Luke 9's, First uh, Peter 1, they all reference back to this foundational first telling. And in Mark's narrative, Jesus is focused on Jerusalem. And, and Jesus will soon be protesting in the temple courts and quite probably provoking the empire's violent response. So our story this week, it's meant to prepare us for the rest of the events of, the go- of Mark's gospel. And first... This story points us back to Jesus' baptism and getting us ready. Um, this, this language from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Um, Mark 1, 11, remember, it says, just as Jesus was coming up, out, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open. We talked about that last week. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And remember in the book of Isaiah, this language, it's time. Tied to the one who would come and establish justice. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. That's Isaiah 42. So, so Mark then 
from that language points us forward to the resurrection with a small little subtle detail that would appear later in Mark's version of this story. In Mark 16, talking about the resurrection, uh, Mark 16, 4 through 5, it says, But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, and here's the same kind of clothing, dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. So th- this transfiguration story that we're looking at this week, it also is it's not just laying the it's not just pointing back to baptism, it's not just casting a subtle hint towards the future with the resurrection. It also places Jesus in the context of two significant figures in Jewish history. It places Jesus in the context of Moses and Elijah for for Mark's Jewish audience. And that's quite possibly the real heart and power of this story for Mark's intended audience. So when Moses is there and, and Jesus being up on a high mountain, they would have thought back to this account of Moses. This is Exodus 24, 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments I have written for, that, for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it. Here's that same language. And the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. So Moses, remember, he is the great figure. He stands for um, the the he's the great liberator from slavery in the Hebrew stories. And in his own time, Jesus is leading again a Jewish renewal movement, calling people away from the abuses of Rome and, and Roman complicity, uh, thinking specifically of the temple state there at that time, back to these justice teachings of the Torah, the, the, the law of Moses, and especially toward the, the Torah's teaching and how we're to relate toward the, the poor and the marginalized. Now, now Matthew's gospel goes even further in drawing parallels between Moses and Jesus throughout his entire the entire gospel stories. Luke takes a little different direction, but both of these build on Mark's version right here, what we're reading this week, of, of Moses and Jesus being associated. Elijah is also uh, mentioned in this story, and Elijah also held a special place in the minds of those who are longing for liberation from Roman oppression among Mark's audience. Remember the timing in which Mark's gospel was written in relation to um, the Jewish people and the Roman Empire. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But first, um, in Malachi 4, 5-6, through 6, remember it says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So remember, this gospel was written 
as we said, then the timing, um, it was written very close to the destruction of Jerusalem by Rome. Scholars argue it's either during the events leading up to that destruction, just right previous to it, or it's, it's in the wake shortly after that destruction. And Elijah, in the Elijah story, Elijah prophetically here, he, he represents all those who have stood up to and spoken truth to power. Elijah, remember, also had a, a mountaintop experience. His experience is a little different from Moses' mountaintop experience, but it's a mountaintop experience nonetheless. Elijah flees to the mountaintop in fear after standing up to Queen Jezebel. And remember, Jesus is about to go to Jerusalem and stand up to the power structure there and speak truth to power there himself. So let's go back to Elijah's story. And here's the story. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once the angel, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread, baked over hot coals, and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled forty days and forty nights, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And when the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, covenant torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, was, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And that's in 1 Kings 19, 3-18. So the story here ends, though, with Elijah being told, Go back, for I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah is then told to descend from the mountain and to anoint uh, Jehu as king and then Elisha as Elijah's servant as prophet. So in Mark's version of the Jesus story here, Jesus is about to descend from the mountain that he's on. And when he reaches Jerusalem, he's going to overturn the money changers' tables. He's going to speak truth to power and solidarity with those who are being harmed. He's going to face the imperial response due to all who oppose the so-called Pax Romana. 
And the temple, remember, it had become a conduit of the Roman Empire. And it's not Judaism that Jesus is standing up against. He's standing up against the complicity that the elites and the powerful of his day are engaged in with the empire to harm the masses. And as, as Moses stood for liberation, Elijah here is standing for all those who have prophetically called for justice in the face of violent opposition by those in power who are, are threatened by their, their, their calls for change. And I can't help but wonder if Mark's original audience caught these parallels, the parallels that we're seeing in this week's story of God's voice not being found in the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, but in that still, small voice. Uh, could, could Jesus have been questioning what his own still, small voice would ultimately accomplish in the face of such systemic injustice in his own society? Uh, could, a, could a point, uh, one of the points of, of all these parallels, be to encourage Mark's audience, and, and even us today, to keep speaking out that, that God is not found in the great monumentous earth-shattering, you know, we, it doesn't have to be um, all of that, that God is found in our still small voices, even a whisper, if that's all we can muster, where we're calling for change. Don't think that change only comes through strong political winds. That's the message. Or earth-shaking social quakes. Or that fire, that, the, the fire that burns the whole thing down. Sometimes change does come that way. But consider the violent events and the failed attempts at the liberation surrounding Jerusalem in the wake of its destruction. There was earthquake, there was fire, there was political winds. And what that ended up doing was leaving Jerusalem in ashes. Change also comes from our continued speaking out. What power does one voice have? This story reminds us that our voice, when we speak out against injustice, it can have power for change. As Elijah was sent back down the mountain and Jesus was sent down from the mountain to face the powerful temple state in Jerusalem, we too today are called to speak out in our spheres of influence whenever people, remember the objects of God's universal love, are being harmed. And again, this story, it marks the transition point in Mark's version of the Jesus story. In, in this moment, Jesus stands with Moses, the great liberator, and Elijah, the prophet who stood up to corrupt rulers in positions of power and experienced all that came in that wake, Jesus will soon leave and turn toward those in power in his own society, his own time, his own place, just as Moses and Elijah did. And that's what's happening in Mark's gospel at, the stage of the, at this stage of the story. What we can ask this week is, what's happening at this stage of our story? Are we conflicted with injustice and harm? being done in our world today. I know I am. I think of the genocide that's taking place in Gaza right now. Uh, do we also need some encouragement that our voice matters? Or are, are, are we afraid at times of, of speaking out and the consequences of our speaking out? 
The way of love, remember, it calls each of us alongside of others to speak out against injustice in in our world today. Heart Group Application, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, share an experience where your own speaking out ultimately did result in change and share that with your group. What can you do this week? Number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking Donate. I also want to say a special thank you this week to, once again, to Choir Publishing, to Keith Giles, who wrote the forward to my latest book, and all the special people on our launch team. All of you have made this a a release, a a genuine success. Uh, Again, we're a week out from its being released, and we are still, still uh, in, in a, uh, um, uh, a scale that can change every hour on Amazon. We are still a number one new release this week. So, as always, you can find Renewed Heart Ministries each week on X or Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Meta's New Threads. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on whatever your chosen social media platform is for our, our daily posts there. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please like and subscribe and and uh, hit the notification there. Uh, leave us a, a positive review. This will help others find uh, our podcast as well. And, and you can watch our new YouTube show called Just Talking Each Week, where Todd Leonard and I take a moment to talk about the Gospel Lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We'll be talking about each reading in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. Our hope is that our talking will be just talking, as in justice, but that during our brief conversations each week, you'll be inspired to also do more than just talking. So if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. You can find Just Talking each week on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd Just Talking. Please like, subscribe, hit the notification button there as well. And if you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com right where you are this week. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm